from Los Angeles. This is To Live and Try in LA. We're back in a very cloudy and foggy Los Angeles. I was driving around recently. It was just so gray and dreary. It felt like Cleveland. I can see that. I mean, man, <clears throat> this uh, this fog has been crazy. The fog is fine. I mean, it, it, it wasn't like too dark. It wasn't like a Silent Hill type of situation. I don't know. Some of the places I was driving, it felt very Silent Hill-esque. I went up to uh, Burbank the other day. I was over by the Burbank airport. And I was just watching planes take off and just disappear. Some thick fog. Well, it's thick up in the atmosphere, but I mean, nothing that, you know, it was foggy that you couldn't drive around safely. Yeah, it wasn't. All right. It wasn't thick on street level. But, yeah, you go up, you look at the hills. Yeah, it was kind of wild. Made me feel like I was back home. <laughs> back in Petaluma? Yeah. No rain, except for maybe a little bit of sprinkle here or there. And maybe getting a little bit sunny. Uh, everyone heading out to Coachella this weekend. That's or right. Headed, or headed out this weekend. Yeah. The- so if you notice, if you're out in LA this weekend and you notice that, you know, there's not too much of a line in some of the places you always wanted to go, it's because all your hipster friends or Gen Zs who have enough uh, extra cash from mommy and daddy floating around are out to Indio to see some of the great acts that are out there. A couple of good bands that I was interested in. Like, I know Wet Leg is going to be performing there. The Gorillas. Oh, yeah. I know you really like Wet Leg. Gorillas would be cool to see. The lineup is available on the website, but... Yeah, I never really look at the lineup because I'm like, I don't know most of these people. And the ones I do, I'm always like, I'm okay. I feel like looking at the Coachella lineup is a nice barometer of how old you are culturally. If you don't know anyone there, it's like you're super old. But I mean, that's the thing. It's like Coachella has a diverse mix. It's not just completely segregated to whoever's the hit right now. One of the acts playing Coachella is Idris Elba. He's going to be DJing on one of the stages. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, That'd be fun to see. Yeah, and come on. And Gorillas isn't exactly, uh, you know, a new band. They've been around for a while. No. But, but yeah, some of the headliners I think was like uh, Bad Bunny. I am familiar with. I've never heard any of his music. Same, yeah. Blackpink, which is a Korean girl band. I will take your word for that. And uh, who the Sunday headliner is. So now would be a good time to visit Silver Lake. And hit up any of the restaurants that you've been wanting to this this time. Because it's weekend one, so then there's weekend two the following weekend. But we will be busy that weekend because it will be the same time as the L.A. Times Festival of Books. What? Yeah, that's right. Some of us like to read. Well, I mean, I know you do all your reading by the beach, but this event will probably bring you to the USC campus. Big live stages, panel discussions, which, yeah, I know everyone's super stoked about that. <laughs> do you have the lineup? Do you know who's going to be uh, at the festival? For this one, I do see some familiar faces. They kind of cross the spectrum. It's, you know, your well-to-do known writers, and then you have your celebrities who are hawking books. On the writerly side, you have, like, Dave Eggers, James Elroy, T.C. Boyle, Michael Connolly. And then on the celebrity side, you have uh, Jennifer Garner, Max Greenfield, Stacey Abrams. Well, I mean, she's more of a politician, or, but yeah, sure, still but... popular. Yeah, Leslie Odom Jr., Edina Menzel, Chrissy Metz, Tamara Maury Housley. So one half of Sister Sister. <laughs> what? 
I wonder what she's up to. Uh, Megan Trainer, Omar Epps, and yeah, it's just a great collection of people, but also you know, great selection of uh, vendors, local specialized bookstores, different literary things. There's different. There's the travel stage. So if you're trying to plan your next trip, you might want to check out some experts who will be on the travel stage to discuss. You know, what's the perfect time to buy tickets or where's the perfect where some interesting new places to go or visa requirements, blah, 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 all that stuff. You also have the cooking stage. So usually celebrity chefs or uh, any celebrities who are hawking their own cookbooks will probably be there showing demonstrations. I remember last time. Like Danny Trejo, was at the sta- yeah, Danny Trejo was at the stage. I mean, he himself, like he owns the restaurants, but the chef behind the food in, tra- in the Trejo's Tacos Empire was there to cook some stuff, and damn, it looked delicious. That was really cool. Uh, he seemed like a really fun guy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just some of the stuff that I'm looking forward to. You know, I'm kind of mad. Like last year, I bought one book, and I still haven't read that one book. I got, uh, what was like, Final Girls uh, Support Group. Oh, uh, yeah. You still haven't read it? I still haven't read Well, because I've read other things in the meantime. And recently, I pulled it out. I went to go get some coffee. And I was like, I sat down like I was going to read it. And for whatever reason, I ended up on my phone. And then I drank coffee looking at my phone and never cracked the book. I don't know what happened. Wow. I, got, I, I hope the book's really good. But I think I'm almost scared that the book's going to be terrible. I am disappointed. As someone who has not read a book in quite some time, I am disappointed with <gasps> you and you are terrible. Yeah, that's right. Come on, you're supposed to be the big reader. You're supposed to read everything. I should read more. Yeah, why don't you? I don't know. Maybe I just spent most of this time editing this damn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like all that time, all that free time on the weekend? Yeah, it's spent making sure this thing goes out. And people listen to it. So, obviously, I make great choices. Oh, don't we all? I spend most of my time playing video games. I'm kind of excited there's a new season for Call of Duty. I shouldn't be excited for that, but I... <laughs> Duty. <laughs> yeah. Call. <laughs> uh, but, no, we've... Uh, speaking of video games, uh, what do you think of the Super Mario Brothers movie that we both saw? Fucking loved it! Absolutely enjoyed that movie. Yes, I enjoyed the movie. I mean, is the story pretty much paper thin? It is literally a one-page story, and I don't mean both sides of the page. As opposed to the video games that it's based on? Yeah, I know, I know. But it just seems... That's the thing. It is Easter eggs, the movie. It is... Like, they are adapting every Mario game at once putting references to everything in it. The animation's phenomenal. The voice acting is good. You know, if you hate Chris Pratt, he won't bother you. It'll be fine. You'll forget very quickly. The supporting cast around him is just doing incredible work. It's kind of what I call the uh, Mark Wahlberg effect. Whenever Mark Wahlberg is in a big ensemble cast, you forget that he's there because everyone else around the movie is awesome. It's like... uh, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because like uh, it happened in Boogie Nights, it happened in The oh, Departed, yeah. so and it's and for Chris Pratt, it's happening here in the Super Mario Bros. movie. It's just like the entire cast is so great, you forget that he's there, so he doesn't bother you. This one was a lot of fun. Now, obviously, my favorite character was Luma Lee, <laughs> the little blue 
star-ish thing yeah. from yeah, little... Mario Galaxy, who is voiced by a small tra- small child and it just adorably optimistic sounding and saying the darkest things I've ever heard. So good. The adults will be laughing and the kids won't understand why. Just like hearing this innocent child voice saying, like longing for the sweet release of death. Like, oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. It made me so happy. Oh man, it's just like millennial, millennial and Gen, Gen X depression just taking over. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I relate to this little blue sprite. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah, uh, everyone was great. And yeah, the, the story is, again, yeah, I wasn't asking for a lot. Like, I, it doesn't bother me. But I mean, it's it's noticeable that this story is pretty thin. But also, you know, that's not the point. Uh, it's, I mean, you're still having fun. It's still video game. That, I mean, there were just some things that bothered me, but it Ooh, wasn't tell enough. Me what? But it wasn't no, enough. No, no, tell to, me what it was. Uh, the way it was just Mario shows up and then the prince is like, yeah, you're coming with me to help. I was like, it's just some rando that just showed up. And all of a sudden, like, not only are you coming with me to help, but I'm going to take time out of this very time sensitive mission to make sure that you're able to do all the stuff and get you caught up with the world. So it's basically this weird version of like, we're going to slow down just so we don't instead of just doing a whole big exposition about how the world works. It's like, okay, I'm going to catch you up. On how you like, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna help me on my mission, you gotta do this little run, little simulation run, and it also lets the audience know how the world works, which is kind of dumb because if you've been if you've been playing Mario Brothers, you know what what you're gonna expect in the movie. Yeah, there were no curveballs there, but no I'm curve pretty ball. sure she she was like, oh my god, you're human, you should come with me. Because she's surrounded by those little uh, toads who there's no chance in hell they could do anything to help with the the fight. Yes. yes. So, yeah, it was, it was like the first human she'd ever seen. So she was excited. It, it, it just, I mean, yeah, like, the, like you could have fit in maybe like two more minutes of dialogue and it would have like, okay, we could have, you know, just like make this work. Just like a, just an extra two minutes of dialogue. <laughs> and then, like, that's the thing. It's like, it, it would have been such an easy fix. And it just seems like, hey, you're here, weirdo, rando person. But yeah, let's not put you in a dungeon. I, you're just going to come help me. And also, I'm going to take time out of my time-sensitive mission well, to teach you how to like do the thing. Threat. Yeah, he, he doesn't need to go to a dungeon. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He was just some rando. Like, like, I need to talk to the princess. And it's <laughs> like, all right, fine. Come with me then on this mission where we're pro- where we need to... I don't know. We did go get Donkey Kong. Yeah, we need to strike an alliance with the Kong Kingdom, which was kind of awesome. Yeah, got some cranky Kong. Yeah, it's a little Diddy Kong. I was hoping to see a little bit, few more of the uh, Kong family members, but you got to save something for the sequel. You got to save something for the sequel, man, or the spinoff. Yeah, and you know there's going to be some spinoffs. It's weird though. It's almost like it doesn't even need a sequel, really, because. They just crammed all of the Easter eggs into this one movie. 
Well, there's one egg that they waited until the very well, end to show. Oh, there is one Easter there, egg for sure. One egg. There's one egg that they waited till the end for, <laughs> to show. Any other uh, criticisms? The motivation for Bowser was just a little like, okay, that's it. You just have a boner for Peach. Yeah. I kind of feel like they went a little too hard on that. Again, uh, another thing where it's like just two minutes of dialogue could have fixed that. You could have just put some backstory of like why Peach, why he's a like maybe he saw her from afar or something or or something. You could have just done that. I mean, which is fine. Like, but again, I'm not reading too into it because we already know, you know, Super Mario Brothers is like, yeah, you know, you just you don't need to humanize Bowser. It's like he's just the you don't big know. So yeah, so that's fine. I, I felt like they just they did go back to that one joke too many times of like he's like a lovesick puppy basically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny the first time. He's a simp. Fourth he's basically it's like basically he is, he's simping. That so basically it boils down to Mario must face the greatest villain in the Mushroom Kingdom, an out of control simp. Uh huh. <laughs> like see, so it's like that's why. Just like come on, you could have. Again, two minutes of dialogue, you could have fixed this. And it didn't have to be super credible or super complicated. Just some situation where that's why he has this obsession with her. Yeah, no, absolutely. But again, I mean, doesn't harm the movie because, again, it's just Mario running around and all that other stuff. So it's fine. It's fine. Well, you know, it's funny that uh, you were saying that it's such a thin storyline. Like, there's just so nothing to it. And yet this incredibly thin storyline for this 90-minute movie is so much more dense than the storyline for John Wick 4. Wow, wish that. You know, you know, looking back on It's got no story. There's no story to that well, movie. Well, you know what, looking back on our criticism, Void. you you are aware that we are in the minority when it comes to the decision we arrived regarding John Wick chapter 4. Every so that's okay. Other every people are video, wrong. every review, everything has basically said that John Wick Chapter Four is kind of the pinnacle of the John Wick series. It's the best. They're already calling it an instant classic. You know what's great about recording this podcast? What we get to go back to this five years from now and see, hey, we called it. That movie had no lasting power because as soon as it was on. DVD, people picked it up and rewatched it and went, oh, this is the most hollow, empty shell of a fucking movie I've ever seen. No storyline. There's no story. There's no character growth. There's just fucking shooting. The end. Hey, that's all some people need sometimes. Just just shooting. Simpletons. There's a movie called Shoot 'Em Up, and it is almost nothing more than just a long series of cartoonish shootouts. And it's fucking awesome because it's, uh, I want to say Clive Owen. It's Clive Owen. It's Clive, Clive Owen protecting a baby and trying to figure out what to do. And it's so much better in every way. This is just it, shootouts and I don't care about anybody. I don't. I don't care about any of those characters. I still, I remember, I was there when that movie came out. I was in the theater. I saw it, and it was just, this is the craziest movie ever. It was but, hilarious. I mean, but it's just, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, what'd you expect? It's called Shoot 'em Up, and it's just him ridiculous. Yeah. So whenever people are just saying, they're like, how just 
gun movies are ridiculous and yeah, like the whole bulletproof suits and overusing that and how John Wick is immune to getting hit by cars. But like shoot him out. You know what it is? It's John Wick is inconsistent. Shoot him up was totally wild bonkers from start to finish. Yeah. yeah. You went balls to the wall. So that's not. John Wick just went balls. They didn't go to the wall. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, there, there was a subtlety in the first John Wick that you don't see in the others. Oh, just straight up grounded. It, Even it, the second it, one's pretty grounded. Yeah, yeah. There, but after a while, then like after the third one, where it's like, come on, we're, this is what we're doing, and so yeah, now we, it gets a little. See, the third one's where everything gets rocky, and I, and I, uh, this was bothering me. So I was thinking about this. So John Wick is a cold-blooded killer. Like, he is the worst of the killers out there. Badass assassin who will just murder fucking everybody. So why do we root for him? In the first movie, we root for him because, you know, his wife dies, and then his he, puppy is murdered, and yeah, his car is stolen. Well, because he like, got he out of that life. doing anything. He got out of that He's life because out. of his wife. Yeah, he's out and he's just trying to mourn and somebody wrongs him. So he goes on the warpath and we're like, yeah, fuck yeah. Kill everybody because they hurt your dog. And like, okay, cool. We're all on board. We all root for John Wick. So then why do we root for him in John Wick too? Well, he's still out. He stopped. They pulled him back in and he owed a favor. You're like, okay, that sucks. And then the guy turns on him like, all right. So John Wick was just doing what he had to, and we're on his side. The end of John Wick 2, he breaks the rules. He kills the dude inside the Continental where you're not supposed to conduct business. So, so John Wick broke the rule. He didn't have to. He was not up against the wall. He didn't have to do that. Yeah, he got, so he got John scammed Wick by that dude. He got scammed by the dude, and it, it was this fucked up situation. And then he's like, aha, I got you. You can't shoot me in here. It's like, I'm basically, I'm at home base. It's like tag. And it's like, I'm home. I'm touching home. You can't hurt me. And he basically said, fuck Pretty you. I put a bullet in his head. So John Wick 3, is he's kind of just on the run, and you're like, well, I, I'm not really rooting for you because you fucked up. You're the asshole in the situation, but I've been rooting for you for two movies, so I kind of want to see you come out well, on this, so I kind of root for you. Yeah, because well, the high table is like, all right, he broke the rule. He's got to he's gotta die now. And yeah, but what is our connection to John Wick? Like what, why do we root for him? We root for him just out of habit at that point. He, again, he was the asshole. He broke the rule. He's the bad guy. Yeah. The the table's not the bad guy there. He's the bad guy. He fucked up. But we've been on his side for two movies, so we're kind of on his side for that. Yeah, but the villain in John Wick Chapter 2 was such a douche. So that's why I'm just like, hey, sometimes sometimes douches need a bullet in their head. And I hope that sound clip doesn't get cut out and be used against me someday. I get it. You hate Common. That's fine. <laughs> no, Common is fine. Common wasn't the main guy that was... Uh, but that's who he shot. That's who he shoots in the, the Continental at the end. Wait, it was Common? No, it was the other... It was, Isn't it? No, it was the guy I'm hired... Sure it was Common. No, Common got hired... No, Common uh, ended up with like a knife in his chest 
in the subway. Oh, did he? Yeah, remember? Uh, maybe I'm remembering and wrong. And he was still alive, but he just had to keep the knife in his chest. So he was basically out of commission. But either way, the point is that John Wick broke the rule. He's the asshole for the duration of John Wick 3. But out of habit, we're still supporting him. Yeah, but it's like the high table against it. It's like, you know, society. Sure, he's up. So, the society of assassins against John Wick. And like, okay, yeah. now you got to root for him just because like, fuck all these he, guys. Why? Why fuck all of those guys? All the, the guys who follow the rules, all the gentlemen assassins. They're, they're not the bad guys. That's just the game. John that, Wick uh, fucked up. But again, it's out of habit. That's it's because we've been rooting for him. It's the only reason we root for him in three. It's the only reason. And he is. He's up against impossible odds. Now, John Wick 4. Well, John Wick 3 ends with him falling, I don't know, 10 stories onto the concrete and then crawling away. Because <laughs> that's not stupid. <laughs> so why are we rooting for him in, in part four? Well, in part four, he comes back and kills the the elder that runs the high table. And so now... He doesn't really run the high table. They they never really make it clear exactly what the guy in the desert does. But, well, he's like the like he's like the elected, I don't know, leader, president. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, like, he, whoever's on top, position. he kills he's him. He's some kind of representative. And now all the other people are like, well, you can't be going around killing the guy we elect to run the whole thing because then now you're making us look like idiots. Cause <laughs> okay, so why... Do we, as the audience, support John Wick? Yeah, this one. Why are we rooting for him? Yeah, I think I think this was less about his, like, why we, the audience, support John Wick, and more of like, what does John want now? There was there was nothing. I mean, there were different things. Like, okay, part one, he wanted to say he wanted revenge for the idiots who killed his dog. And stole his sure, car. Granted. Number two. They fucked the dog. They, they hurt the dog. They all got to die. He wanted. No problem. Yeah, he got. He. He. Chapter two. He. Uh, he's all right. All right. I'm going to do this debt. And then I'm completely out. But then he gets double crossed. And he. He's like, all right, fuck this guy for double crossing me. And. All this stuff. And then he kills him. And then part three, it was, I need to, like, how do I make this right with a high table so they can stop chasing me and fucking whatever? Yeah, he gives up a finger. Yeah, he does all that so that way he gets out. But then uh, the adjudicator was like, no, John Wick's got to do, I don't know, like, he's still got to die. And then Winston shoots him off off the roof. Which part of me was like, uh, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's all stupid. So then John Wick is like, like, well, if you still want me dead, well, fuck you. I'm going to go kill the head guy. And then once he kills the head guy, they're just like, all right, now John Wick on site, wherever he's at, fucking he's dead. And then, any, well, and that, then anyone who helps three. him. And, <laughs> and but three is basically like, yeah, everybody's on the lookout for John Wick. To kill him. Yeah. So John Wick 4 is a little bit more of the same. But somehow he, even though he's like the number one target, he can still jet set all around the fucking globe. Like it's not a problem. Clearly he could have just, you know, hunkered down somewhere and lived the rest of his life. 
yeah, but that wouldn't have been an entertaining movie. I mean, it would have for me. Well, neither was this. It would have been for it would have for me if they got like Nicholas Winding Refn to direct it. You know, the same guy who did a uh, Drive and uh, Only God Forgives. Like, yeah. you know, I still haven't watched either of those. You haven't seen Drive? Like, only, no, I know. It's only just God one of those Forgives. It's like uh, that one is like. Uh, I mean, I've heard reviews like it's not as great as Drive, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, Drive is the one. They both looked great, and I just, I never got to them. Well, because it's a lot of Ryan Gosling. He's just like, ah, this guy's my guy, you know? (laughs) Ryan Gosling's one of those guys, I almost hate to admit that he's really fucking entertaining. Nah, no, he's a good actor. I admit it. I admit it. He's a good actor. He's entertaining. I watch him in movies. I mean, I didn't see that crazy, stupid love movie, but I mean, I heard he's great in that. Dude, you know what? You should watch that crazy, stupid love movie. It's... I don't know. I, that it, was pretty good. I feel like it's a little corny. I don't know. It just, the, the trailer was like, I don't know. It, it it felt like I was trying to make me feel a certain feeling. And I was like, I'm not down with that. They're like, you either just, That's, you let it happen organically or whatever. Uh, it's not forced. It's, it's good. I, I will stand by. Or you know what it was? It like, and he plays like a douchey guy who's trying to teach. Steve Carell how to be like a player and maybe that's yeah. maybe that's what turned me off about it like I don't want to see everyone talk about how great Ryan Gosling looks which the trailer did include a lot of scenes of this so that's, that's why I like oh yeah no the whole he's photoshopped joke yeah because he's got abs like yeah yeah look I don't mind like I get it Ryan Gosling is an attractive man I don't need a movie to beat me over the head with that fact so what you're not not excited for Barbie <laughs> No, nah, it's it's funny because in Barbie, like, uh, I guess he has something against Simu Liu because it looked like Barbie likes that Ken instead of his Ken. <laughs> I'm not sold on that movie yet. I don't know. I'm, I want to like it. I am just interested because, again, this is, you know, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach wrote the script. I mean, these are two indie, like indie, indie filmmakers. And they're writing a Barbie movie. It's like, what the fuck is this going to look like? I need to know. I need to know what this movie looks like. It's I like, mean, I'm in. I'm going to see it's it like if you, I need to know. You know, it, it's like if you heard the next Fast and the Furious movie was going to be written by Paul Thomas Anderson. You're like, what? I need, I need to watch this movie. It's like, what is this going to look like? Or fuck it. If the next Fast and the Furious movie was written by Wes Anderson. Like, that would be crazy. Ugh, that would be fucking can Wait, you which one's the awkward one? Uh, which one of those makes the awkward movies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you 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 know exactly what I mean, though. They're not awkward. It's just that it's, it's very uh, one is like super quiet, meditative, and like sinister in the background, and the other one is just the tweeest director ever. Yeah, Wes Anderson's the the quirky one, right? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah he's the twee yeah. director. Yeah, the the one is just like everything's like. Every shot looks like it's been perfectly lined up. And everybody's just like a little awkward. Nobody has any extreme emotions. No, there's some extreme emotions. Remember the Grand Budapest Budapest Hotel where like there's a whole like bit where like it cuts to different people punching another person in the face. Uh, Honestly, I don't really remember it that well. But screw you. That's a great movie. I I love that movie. All of his movies that I've seen, I have been entertained by, but I do not want. To actually let watch me be any clear. Let me be clear. If I told you Wes Anderson was directing the next Fast and the Furious movie, you'd be in though. I'd be fucking curious. 
I, I would but watch. I, I'm not in. I would go to the curious. theater and I would put down good money to go take. It's like one for Wes Anderson's uh, The Fastest and the Furiousest. I think I would love a trailer of Wes Anderson's Fast and the Furious. I don't think I would want a whole movie. I would watch a whole movie. All I know is that the soundtrack would be banging. Yeah, but they would all be driving the most awkward cars. <laughs> like, no muscle cars. There would be zero muscle cars. A Yugo. <laughs> like some Studebakers or something. <laughs> we need to run this race very fast. I could do fast. All right, but what car? I'm like, this is my grandfather's car. Is that a Vista yeah. Cru- Is that a Vista Cruiser? It goes pretty fast. I doubt it, but. I want to see it. And then, they, yeah. and then it cuts to, I don't know, some Ramones song that they're playing. <laughs> That's, that sounds about right. Yeah. It'll be like the Ramones or weird. I would just, I would watch that movie. I would watch that movie. I would, I would definitely take it that would movie be over the like top 10. M. Night Shyamalan's Fast and the Furious. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be just like this random, like, oh yeah. Like all these racer guys are just like, hey man, you have to, if you race down the street. It's like the loser just disappears. You know, you just have to keep just putting the pedal to the metal because if you look back, they'll be gone. Like, yeah, you're either you're either first or you just vanish. Yeah, should, and the reason I should write is that just someone should write that movie. Plants, <laughs> plants, and there's like the headless horseman, but he's riding a black uh, muscle car. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, oh don't let God. him pass you. Once he passes you, you vanish. And then freaking Paul oh, Giamatti's in it. Paul Giamatti's amazing. Yeah. I, and I particularly really enjoyed Paul Giamatti in that one movie, uh, Shoot 'em Up with Clive Owen. Wait, he was in Shoot 'em Up? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was like the main bad guy. Look, it's been a while since I saw Shoot 'em Up. The only <laughs> the only thing I know for sure is that Clive Owen is in there and he eats carrots and yep. uh what's her face is uh the I forgot who the woman is. Uh, the chick from um, uh, from the Matrix, like the second and third Matrix. He was like the Merovingian's wife. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was also in Irreversible, which is like which uh, oh, which is a family fuck. friendly movie. I recommend. Oh god! <laughs> oh. No, 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 no! Don't audience do do, do not, not go do watch, not watch Irreversible. Irreversible. I mean, like if you don't already know, it's not for you. That's that that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's it's watch, not for you. Don't watch Irreversible. I mean, it's a great great movie but also it's not the thing you want to just casually throw on <laughs> oh yeah you need read the synopsis and then watch the movie if you're still interested but yeah read the synopsis <laughs> when i worked at a video store uh this dude was like oh you gotta watch it so as we're closing up the the shop we had like six tvs like two sets of three where you know you just watch movies all day and so we've closed up the store Kicked everybody out. He puts that on so I can watch the first few minutes of it because that's intense in and of itself. So I watched that on six TVs at once. It was like a lot. Oh, and they were facing outward towards the you know front of the store, which was just a glass window. So anybody walking by could have seen all that. Yeah, it's a crazy fucking movie. Unless Wes Anderson direct does a version, and then then I'll watch that. I can't even <laughs> imagine what that would be. So I did just watch another one that was on my radar. I missed it in theaters and I had high expectations for it. And I was really disappointed. Triangle of Sadness. Oh yeah, it's on Hulu. I've been seeing it. Uh, I've been seeing it there and I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it one, one of these days. 
but then that day doesn't come. But anyway, so what do you think? I was really disappointed. And one of the things in the trailer is it's from the same people that made another movie I really liked called The Square, which The Square is a big teardown of like, you know, super high-end art and some fancy shit. And it's hilarious. I stand by The Square. I fully recommend that one. It's a subtitled movie. There's a little bit of English, but it's mostly subtitled or dubbed. And the trailer for Triangle of Sadness made it look like it was in the same vein. You know, it's just a big satire about how stupid rich people are. So I'm I'm in. That sounds amazing. But it kind of, like there's a couple of scenes that are really good, but then it kind of just doesn't go anywhere. And then it ends. Like like it just felt like plenty of more interesting things are about to happen. After it ends, but it ends. So you're like, I guess I'll just sit with this. I don't know. It's kind of like somebody telling you that like rich people suck, but then they never give you a reason. You need more. And then what you have just isn't, it's just not enough. But there are some, a handful of really good scenes. Oh yeah. Cause it's supposed to be a class, uh, a send up of the class structure that we currently suffer where like the rich have so much wealth. Everyone else is just kind of like scraping by, but then that dynamic gets thrown for a loop when the when the boat capsizes. Some of that's there, but there's so much more before they get to the boat and so much after the boat that kind of just doesn't really do anything for the story. Yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, like in the trailer, you'll see uh, these guys as they're auditioning for some male modeling gigs. And it's kind of funny. Like that's literally the opening shot of the movie is these guys doing some male modeling. And then you follow one of them on a date with his girlfriend. Clearly it's just a relationship for show for likes. And you spend way too much time with them in like this loveless thing. And then eventually they get to the boat. And you're like, okay, there's some there's some funny jokes here. Most of it's just awkward and not in like a not funny kind of way. You're like, all right, I, I guess I get it. Okay, so it it seems like you didn't really like it. It it, it nah, seems nah. like it ha- didn't. Well, and it's, I think the thing that blows my mind is like I was so primed to love this movie. Like this is something I really enjoy. Pointing out how stupid the superficial crap that rich people do is meaningless and tearing them down. Like this, this is my jam. I fucking love that. Right. So there are a handful of scenes. I'm like, hell yes. I don't know. It just feels like it meanders. You're, like, you're not doing anything. Uh, if you YouTube it, you'll see a bunch of clips. that are like, this is the best scene in the movie. And it's uh, one of the cleaning ladies washes up on shore with everybody else. And she just kind of takes over because and they're like, why, like, why do you get so much food as they're eating around the, the campfire? And she's like, well, I made the fire. I caught the fish. I cooked the fish. What did you do? We gathered the wood. Not enough. And then they try to, like, you know, push their, their uh, status. Like, all these rich people, you know, her old boss. She was just, like, the toilet manager who cleaned the toilets. And she's like, yeah, on the yacht toilet manager here captain everybody keeps pointing that out as the best scene and it is it's the best scene because it's what you went to the movie for was to see scenes like that but most of the movie is not that 
I don't know how else to describe that. You're like, it's no, no, it's, it sounds like I'm just wildly. Yeah, yeah. So screw triangle of sadness. Go watch the, me, uh, not the, the square, the squares. That's a good one. It's awkward and hilarious in the right way. <laughs> and what is the right way? Well, you know, it is trying to convey something in the silent moment. It's like, okay, I get it. I see what's happening. Whereas, with this one, you're like, okay, well, this is just an awkward moment and there's nothing to be said. There's just not really a message in there other than like rich people suck and kind of like. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the whole point of the movie. Yeah, that's the whole point of but the movie. Is rich people you have suck. to have more than that. I'm pretty sure. You have to have. Well, a, I mean, that's what the oh, yeah. whole like them crashing on an island and the power dynamic flipping is about. I know. Overall, yeah. But like, in those moments, like in that one on one interpersonal awkwardness like there has to be a conversation like a point to that conversation and it just it feels just more awkward like it's missing something we should we'll do a back-to-back -back. we'll watch the square and then we'll watch triangle of sadness you'll understand what i mean i have to watch two movies now <laughs> i have to watch two movies cultural now homework, just to man. figure out no 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 you okay this is your cultural homework so you're caught up with the things that nobody else knows no, about no, no. this is what you got to do first off you got to go watch air i've seen air uh, I went with my brother. Uh, surprise! He's a big fan of uh, a movie about that the tracks. first, <laughs> the first Air Jordan, and basically the the history that went behind the deal. You know, Nike was not a didn't have a big share of the marketplace when it came to you know sponsorship deals and athletes that wore Nike shoes. At the time, Converse was the number one shoe brand. Everyone had Converse. Adidas was number two and yeah so nike was trying to build build a name for itself they were trying to bid for new athletes and uh the one guy um shoot i can't remember his name but he was played by matt damon he comes up with the idea of like okay we're gonna go all in on michael jordan and it's just the whole story of trying to get jordan to sign with nike the marketing and the whole uh the the thing behind trying to get you know the shoe and and then figure out who you know how to get the family to sign on and the whole thing which you wouldn't think would be interesting but uh, yeah i really wouldn't that's like it doesn't sound like it's my jam no no but... it's 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 funny just because of just the great acting between i mean it's got a great cast it's uh, matt it's damon ben affleck amazing cast matt damon ben affleck jason bateman chris tucker marlon wayans chris tucker marlon wayans and viola davis who plays mj's mom the the reason i was saying this is pretty funny is that this is the one movie because i've i've been to the theater multiple times with my brothers throughout the years and I for sure know that this is the one movie that he was awake the entire time watching, <laughs> which is that's amazing. And that's the thing. It's like even when it's like Fast and the Furious, he'll fall asleep in the middle of it sometimes. Blasphemy for air, Sacrilege. but for air, I can goddamn guarantee he had his eyes open the entire fucking time. So that's how you know it's good. It kept his attention. It was wrapped. And just the writing is great. The dialogue's great. Uh, there's oh, there's a couple of great scenes where it's uh, Matt Damon and Chris Messina. Chris Messina plays uh, Michael Jordan's agent. It's this clever banter between, you know, your typical New York asshole and Matt Damon playing just like a quick-witted. It's just the the back and forth between these two. It's just worth the price of admission. Okay. okay. But yeah, it's a, it's a great story. It was definitely not one that... Like I was excited for, but it's got such glowing reviews. I'm sure I'll get to that soon enough. Oh, you're going to put it on your list. <laughs> so, yeah, it's on the to-do so list. So seven years from now, if we're still in this, if we're still doing this podcast, Tyler will give his review of air. Yeah, 
I'm going to pop in and be like, hey, you know what I saw? You'll never believe this. Air. That was pretty good. You guys should check that out. That'll be me seven years from now. Uh, let's see. The only other things left on pop culture homework that I wanted to cover before we move on was the big announcement this week. HBO. Well, okay. First off, that whole like the whole Matt HBO now be HBO Max being called Max thing. That's going to be a separate episode because I'm going to need a good 20 minutes, which we spent talking about how much you didn't like Triangle of Sadness to discuss because that's annoying in itself. I got a lot of thoughts and opinions about this. It was announced by HBO that uh, there will be a new uh, Game of Thrones spinoff series. It's A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight, has been announced that will be has been greenlit, which I am so excited because of all the you know Game of Thrones related uh, universe stories. This is probably one of the best stories that you could probably get. I know everyone's like, oh, House of the Dragon. That's so great. Look, I love House of the Dragon. But when it comes to just the bare bones, like average people in this great world of Westeros, this is the story. This is the story because it takes the story of Sir Duncan the Tall, which uh, he was a squire for this old knight and then the knight dies. And so he actually has to make his way trying to be a knight. He ends up getting a squire called Egg. And the reason they call him Egg, because it's a young Aegon Targaryen who ends up being Ooh. king later on. So it's funny, just like these two guys basically going around Westeros having adventures. There's three there's three stories already out that you can read if you want to catch up on the material before the show starts. Two of them are graphic novels. It's uh, The oh, Hedge Knight and The Sworn Sword. And then the third one is a novella, uh, which is called The Mystery Knight. That one is not a graphic novel yet, but you can... I think it's included in a short story collection that George R. R. Martin is part of, I think called Warriors. But yeah, these are great stories, great characters. It builds out more of the world of Game of Thrones, of Westeros. Okay, so here's my question. Because I really enjoyed reading the Game of Thrones books, The Song of Fire and Ice. I, the books are phenomenal. Song of Ice and Fire, anyway. Yes. I picked up Fire and Blood. I don't care. Like I, I started reading, like I just, I can't, can't bring myself to care about that story because it just kind of like rambles through hundreds of years of like history. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Until we get uh, towards like the, I finally skipped ahead to where House of the Dragon takes place and I cannot read it because I just don't care. Like I don't like how it's written. All right. It is not a history yeah. book. Okay. Which I feel like a lot of people were probably turned off of Fire and Blood because it reads like a history book a little bit. It does. It, it reads no, like no. it. But so, I, I genuinely remember history books actually being more entertaining. Well, not for me. Anyway, the point is, yeah, no, this works better because uh, the Hedge Knight and the Sworn Sword, these are basically, you focus on these two characters. It's about Dunk. Okay. The Tales of Dunk and Egg which is Duncan the Tall and Aegon Targaryen. And so it's 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 more focused. It's like it's like similar vibe to kind of like a, the like Xena and Hercules. It's you know, it's kind of just like oh, it's just like the hero and their sidekick making their way around the world, which is a great format for telling the stories in Westeros because we already got enough of Westeros, but this will give you more about the different kingdoms because they can kind of just be bombing around just all the different kingdoms and you know, right and wrongs and you know getting involved into adventures 
That would be great. Okay. So that's okay. why I'm very hopeful for this series. Okay, so I should probably pick up the stories. Yeah, so everyone, everyone, yes, read. Like, first off, the two graphic novels fucking look amazing. And then you can read. Or you can just pick up the book uh, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, which basically gathers those three stories as three novellas. And you can just read that. So there you go. Do you do you prefer them as novellas or as graphic novels? Well, I read uh, I read Hedge Knight as a graphic novel, and I like the artwork. It just it, it helped because like a lot of the you know game when I read through Game of Thrones, I just had to picture all that stuff, and with the graphic novel, yeah. it just the story moves on a faster clip because you don't have to visualize it. It's right there. the The drawings are right there. Yeah, Game of Th- yeah, A Song of Ice and Fire definitely could have benefited from a few pictures throughout. Well, the book. they do have a graphic novel version that I think is still going, basically, and I'm pretty sure George R. R. Martin still won't finish Winds of Winter by the time the graphic novels catch up to the novel. Son of a bitch! But let's let's speaking speaking of other tragedies. Uh, lately I've been going to the store because I haven't been able to find Sriracha and it turns out it's not, it's not random anomaly. There is a devastating, uh, shortage of Sriracha and it's been confirmed that, uh, Hyung, Hyung Young Foods, uh, who make Sriracha, the one with the green cap and the rooster on the bottle, the one and the only, the one and only. Uh, has said that uh, because of a low crop of the peppers from Mexico that they use to make sriracha, uh, they're saying that, yeah, it's going to be a low supply and they don't know how long it's going to last. And some stores have already, well, once they get stock, have resorted to rationing because there's not enough to go around. I'm surprised you don't have like a whole room full of hot sauces well look look okay sriracha now if this was tapatio that was in shortage yes i would be at church praying going like (laughs) just just on my hands and knees just like praying like listen you usob and i'm talking to jesus here listen usob if you bring tapatio back i'll be here in this building begrudgingly praying to you (laughs) every sunday but that's saying something. But but it's not Tapatio. It's Sriracha, and that's not that I don't like Sriracha. It's just uh, I have there's more limited uses for me to put Sriracha on stuff. Yeah, I mean, like Sriracha's good. It's just Sriracha's good. Know. It's just it. You know, Tapatio. You could put it. Pretty, you could put it pretty much on everything. Sriracha. Yeah. Sriracha is more kind of like it complements certain you know, meals. So like if I have a nice rice bowl with like, you know, meat and or some beans or stuff like that, whatever, like I can just like, yeah, just drizzle a little bit of sriracha and there we go. Just, you know, just adds a little. That cake. was actually my lunch yesterday. Yeah. And it came with a little packet of sriracha. Yeah. So that's why I'm like. So, you know, for after the record, I can tell you where to go find small packets. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned in the podcast when uh, I was looking for sriracha and i stopped at ralph's and i noticed there were bottles of of kroger brand sriracha which i yep. which i thought to myself was like wow this is like literally paying for gentrification yep and you're like oh i can't find sriracha let me let me buy sriracha from this from this like, from I this support- white dude from freaking silver lake 
It's like that. Yeah. Like I'll I'll stand by like store brands for a lot of things. Just, hot sauce. I don't know. Yeah. No. You know, just like uh, two dudes from Brooklyn, like two white dudes with goatees from Brooklyn selling, you know, tacos. It's it's authentic. How dare you? I, w- I would have slapped myself if I even considered going there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the authentic tacos from Todd and Chad. Yeah, Todd and Chad tacos. I'd rather eat at Baja Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? No, no. You know what? That's that's a little intense. Hey, Baja's I'll good. give Todd and Chance. I, I I'll give Todd and Chad a chance. Like I, I'm not going. I'm not going that far. I shouldn't say things that I don't mean. <laughs> Maybe they stumbled on some kind of combination of uh, not spices. They're just like I look at a taco. They put peas in it. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Remember when the, the New York Times <sighs> seriously ran a guacamole recipe where they're like, we put peas in it. I was like. It's like, this is a hate crime. This is a hate crime. (laughs) (laughs) I still love, like, every once in a while, like, talking to my mom, she'll remind, like, you know how parents like to remind you of just random ass shit? Yeah. From when you were younger? She always likes to bring up, like, the time I introduced her to, like, real Mexican food. (laughs) Because beforehand, we definitely were, like, oh, yeah, we'll throw on, like, shredded lettuce and uh, black (laughs) olives. Oh, God. Into a taco. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like. And it's not that Tyler, it's Tyler, bad. Tyler, it's just, just that it's you, not. Tyler, you could have just said, I lived in an abusive home. That's what that was. That's an abusive. <laughs> like, they should have called the fucking Child Protective Services on it. it was like, what, what? They put olives in the tacos. Get these kids out of this house. She grew up in the 50s and 60s. What do you expect? Okay, I've seen some of those recipes. But, so, I okay, I understand. They People didn't know what to do with food, apparently. They really didn't. Uh, and then when I was like, oh, no, no, this is the Mexican food I like to get when I'm out by myself. And she's like, oh, this is actually really good. Like, yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. Notice the lack of olives. <laughs> <laughs> now, as someone who really likes black olives, I, like, I'm like, i not saying no to them, but it's not appropriate. I don't know. <laughs> Look, man. Dude, when I was younger, I could have just sat there and ate like a jar full of like black olives. Like it was just a good little snack. Let me be clear. No one's saying you can't enjoy black olives. That's fine. All right. You put them on whatever food you want, but you put it on Mexican food. And like, I'd be like, come on, man, what's wrong? What's wrong, man? What's <laughs> clearly you're going through something. Don't do this to yourself. Yes, is basically, but it's basically the but, vibe. Don't do this to yourself. What are you doing? But if you do that in Los Angeles, now you have fusion. Uh, uh, no, no, uh, no, uh, no, 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 because now uh, you're justifying the same idiots who are like, I'm going to put peas in guacamole. Like, get the fuck out of my country. No, I'm just trying to criticize every restaurant in L.A. that's just like, we're a fusion restaurant. Like, OK, so you put different foods together. I get it. What? That doesn't mean it's good. Hey, look, if I get a taco with a side of kimchi, I'm not going to get mad. But if you put black olives in my taco, like well, it doesn't mean it's bad. Because kimchi is great. Anyway, shout out to all those people who, or no shout out to all those people who say like, oh, this, the the hot salsa at Chipotle is getting too spicy. Screw you. Screw you. All right. Maybe just because they're finally make it, making it to the appropriate level and you can't hang. It's it's like that scene in uh, Pulp Fiction. It's like, oh, like it's too strong. It's like, well, guess what? I don't freaking 
go out with a bunch of bubble gummers, you know, just like, oh, like <laughs> bubble gummers. No, I'm just like, oh, I'm eating spicy. No, no. Well, that's because you you can't taste food anymore. Your no, taste buds are no, off. no. That's like saying because you like metal, like heavy metal, that you don't know what music is because all you like is noise. No, because metal is music. Metal is everything else is just trying to be music. Everything else is a sad attempt to be music. Well, I'm just metal is the only. I'm one just that saying is the music. justification could be that <laughs> that you just like noise and like that. That's not music. That's just noise. It's like, no, you have to listen. You have to taste. All right. There's flavor. It's just you get it just you're not you can't hand you focus on the heat and you don't focus on the flavor. Well, that's that's actually my criticism with a lot of like super hot hot sauces where I'm like, OK, all I'm getting is hot. I'm not getting like any tasty flavor out of this. So it's not fun anymore. That's one of the reasons like I, I love a good like medium spice. Like a medium heat is always like the go to. Right. Chipotle's medium is delicious. <laughs> I don't need to fuck with their hot. Uh, it's well, not their hot. Well, it's necessarily the too hot. Yeah, they're, they're, it's just like gr- the green uh, middle. That's great. The hot wasn't even hot before, and now that they actually make it to an acceptable level, people are freaking out because they're like, they're making it too hot. It's like this is this is why all these restaurants keep saying we have spicy stuff, and it turns out no, it's just it's just sugar with a little bit of with a little bit of pep- paprika. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's like, no, no, you it's like the because the moment a restaurant actually makes things in the proper spice level, then you got people like, oh, it's too spicy. That's why I hate all. That's why I hate people. That's why they, they need those like secret menus with the, the real spice. Yeah. The real shit. Anyway. <laughs> so. All right. All right. I like I'm I'm getting too wound up about this. Like, I think this is the perfect time to wrap it up. Yeah. We'll, we'll go get some like. Hot fried chicken or uh, killer noodles soon. Damn, I haven't been to killer noodle in a while. That's actually a good idea. Uh, but yeah, if you can handle the heat, follow us on Instagram. Come on into the kitchen. Follow us on Instagram at to live and try and lay podcast on Instagram at to live and try pod on Twitter, which I don't know if we're still going to keep doing that. I mean, NPR pretty much left Twitter because Elon called it a government Spons- a state-run news organization. And they're just like, no. Fuck Elon Musk. I He's just trying to destroy just- Twitter because they forced him to buy it. I think that's what it is. It's like he's just making it shitty because like, ah, oh, well, if I have to spend all this money, I'm going to make everyone hate it. Because that's basically what it is. It's not Im- he's not improving it. He's just making it worse so that everyone leaves and then he could write it off as a loss. I think. Yeah, so I don't want to. I don't want to give up. I don't want him to be able to write it off as a loss. Oh well. We need to just like drag it out and make it really hurt for him. Well, you. This should be the one thing that ruins him. All right. Well, we'll just keep tweeting anti Elon stuff until he blocks, uh, suspends our account. So follow us at To Live and Try Pod. Yeah. See how long before we get knocked out. And uh, if we do, you can just reach us by email to live and try and lay podcast at gmail dot com. So, yeah, may, uh, check us out. We'll probably be out at uh, the Festival of Books. You know what? I thought we should have gotten a booth and maybe just recorded an episode where we were over there. Actually, that would have been kind that of That would have been a good idea. But then again, just I interview people that come up. But then I don't know how much booths at the Festival of Books would. But I don't know. Maybe we could be kind of a gorilla type situation where we just set up a table and just like, hey, and then until they kick us out. Yeah, just get a little tent, set it up. Pretend that we we belong. 
It works in the movies. It works in the movies. <laughs> Check out Air. Check out Triangle of Sadness so that Tyler has someone no, else to complain. No, not Triangle of Sadness. I, Just go watch The Square. You'll be happy. Check out movies. Check out movies. Movies are fun. <laughs> One of the ones we mentioned. We mentioned a couple, so just go check them out. And thank you for coming and joining us. Go enjoy that movie, everybody. Bye.